Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 267, and today we're talking about how to find cheap transport. That's right. Transport is a very important factor when you're traveling. Of course, you can't really travel without being transported somewhere. <laughs> so uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Indeed. Now, if you're a long-term listener, you might remember episode 109. I guess that's about one and a half years ago now, since around 67. And uh, there we discussed all sorts of different kinds of transport that you might want to use, might want to check out. In this episode, we're going to focus on the money-saving side of things. So if you're interested in getting a bigger idea of how to get around or some interesting alternative ideas, head back to that episode 109 and uh, you'll be able to find that there. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. So what about our week? We're recording this on Wednesday rather than on Monday because... Well, we've, ha- we've been quite busy. It's been a busy week, yeah. We started over in um, Fuenteventura, in, uh, no, Fuerteventura. Fuerteventura. I always get that wrong. It's the strong adventure, not the fountain or <laughs> fountain adventure, I guess. Yeah, that's right. We had a week at a yoga retreat, Azulfit, and it was absolutely amazing. Then we had three days just in holiday village mode, uh, mostly because we needed to get some work done. And then we flew to, uh, well, to Bergamo, which is right next to Milan. We had a slight disaster there. You'd think that after traveling for seven years, we'd know how to do it. But apparently, no, we, we still suck at traveling, which is why we continue to make the podcast. We'll make the mistakes so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, when we start making mistakes, I guess we kill the podcast. <laughs> Be the most boring thing ever. Well, that's, that's why we started it. We made lots and lots of mistakes in our first year of travel. It was just mad. And uh, we thought, well, this is a bit dumb. Why don't we tell everyone about it so that they don't make the same mistakes we do? And uh, yeah, good to know we're still continuing to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, what happened is we booked ourselves into a uh, nice little guest house, B&B kind of thing. And we noticed that the check-in officially finished at 10.30. So along with the booking, we sent a note saying that uh, we were arriving late. The flight was arriving around 11. We'd be arriving around 11.30, 12 at the place. And uh, we didn't get any confirmation, but we didn't get any denial either. So we just assumed the confirmation booking number we had was all good and that had gone through. However, when we showed up, the place was closed um, and we followed some other guests in to go to reception and say good day and check in. And uh, they let us in through the security gate and we went up to reception where there was no one. And no one around. The, Phone number, the after hours phone number that we had wasn't being answered and wasn't being answered. So we went to leave again and then realized we were locked in. So we were locked into the reception area at this guest house. And we, well, we ended up almost having to sleep on the floor of the reception overnight. Yeah, in fact, we lay down and we were getting comfortable, not very comfortable. It was warm, but it wasn't comfortable. Uh, when luckily someone came out of one of the rooms and uh, let us out, it turned out we had overlooked the buzzer that you have to press to open the gate at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, well, there were notes about a big black key and it must be the big black key and not the little grey key and all yeah. sorts of things and that befuddled us. Yeah. So we finally ended up at about 12.30 out on the street in front of this guest house and the only uh, extra lead we had in accommodation came from a, a tourist book. Uh, that we'd picked out up at the airport with a little map in it, but we didn't actually have that with us. I had left it on the bench in the reception. So, uh, yeah, we walked in the general direction we hoped it was. I managed to burn up the last little bit of my prepaid, uh, prepaid mobile credit 
to uh, pull down a map of where we were meant to go. And uh, we arrived five, ten minutes before the reception really closed. It officially closed at half twelve. We arrived just before one. Oh, yeah, it said last check in at 12, um, desk open until 1. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Oh, my goodness. We arrived, She's so kind. <laughs> we arrived just before 1, and this uh, this lady stayed late at work to uh, check us in and was, get us up to our room and everything. And it was a lovely room, and the next morning we had breakfast, which was a very good breakfast for Italy. It wasn't just little packets of plastic pastries. <laughs> there was actually some yogurt and uh, fruit juice. Well, once sat next to fruit juice, at least, and coffee and tea. It was it was pretty good it was well if you want to uh, not make mistakes quite like that then you might want to have a look at our sponsor for today because the indie travel podcast is sponsored by intrepid travel who do small group sustainable trips and have been doing it since 1989 that's right and uh, i think it's it's quite a good idea if you're scared of making this kind of quite epic mistake intrepid travel will make sure you avoid that you're traveling around in a, in a small group a ma- Maximum of 12 on most trips, but average size is about 10. And uh, you have lots and lots of trips to choose from. There's over a 1,000 trips in 100 countries. Yeah, so you can get off the beaten path. You can get uh, a local guide with a local perspective and uh, not get locked out. (laughs) Not locked into and then locked out of a guest house at God knows when at night. Uh, Well, after that, we headed up to Austria and we're going to be traveling around Austria for the next couple of months, trying to learn German and see a little bit of the place. Uh, Then we'll take a month or two away from German speaking countries and head back to Germany in uh, in June, July kind of time. So, um, yeah, we headed up to Austria and stayed with our friend Sabina in Linz for a little bit. And, she is so uh, lovely. She is. Uh, we're over on the east now um, in Mödling, which is just south of Vienna, a big national park right on our doorstep. We're planning on doing and, some walking very soon. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, for today, uh, instead of walking, let's talk about transport and get right into it. Well, as you know, transport is one of the biggest costs uh, when you're planning a trip or when you're traveling, especially if you're going on a long distance trip, because airfares really take up a fair proportion of the budget. So the first point is to do your research. First of all, don't just do what you've always done or what everyone else does just because it's easy that way. Don't just book a flight through a travel agent because all your friends do that. Spend at least 10 minutes, but probably more, online looking into what kind of transport options are available uh, and also which is the cheapest, obviously. There's so many options to consider. I mean, you can fly, you can do land transport, you could go by, by sea. Uh, combining several forms of transport will almost certainly be your best bet, but different options will be better in different locations. Yeah, when you say combining several forms of transport, you mean like fly into this place, then catch a bus to here, yeah, then exactly. maybe jump on a train or get a train pass for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, is yeah, that what you mean? That's exactly what I mean. Don't just fly into somewhere, hang out there and then fly home. Because you're probably paying over the odds for that kind of transport. If you fly into, we'll talk about this a bit more later, but if you um, fly into a different airport, for example, we flew into Bergamo instead of Milan or instead of Linz and then took a train. And okay, that took more time, but it saved us a lot of money because no budget flights flew right from Fuerteventura to Linz. So we could have taken two flights, but we don't really like airports. So uh, yeah, we looked into different options and found a, a good route. Yeah, I guess that's an important point as well. Like a flight would have been a well the same price or maybe a little bit cheaper, but the pain of going through another security check and spending another two to three hours in an airport 
um, was much higher than the pain of overnighting somewhere and then catching four trains, five trains the next day. Unless, of course, um, you book into a guest house where the reception <laughs> closes at 10.30. <laughs> Um, so yeah, second point after doing your research is choose alternative routes. Um, I mean, you want to go from A to B, but why not say, see a whole lot of other towns in the middle? Why not check out a whole lot of extras? Yeah, or, um, or just look at alternative airports. Mm. For example, when we flew from Jerez to Fuerteventura, we didn't fly from Jerez to Fuerteventura at all. We went from Seville to Lanzarote. So of course we had to get from Jerez to Seville, but luckily we had a friend who dropped us off. And we had to get from Lanzarote to Fuerteventura, which was an adventure in itself. We had to take a taxi, we stayed overnight, then we got a bus and then it was a ferry. But we got to see a bit of Lanzarote. We didn't really like it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if a train or bus company offers a great deal on a route that's not right what you're after, then, you know, it might still be worth considering because you can get to and from those points for either the right price or going by the right kind of diversions. Yeah, for example, there's quite often uh, cheaper trips from major cities, from and to major cities. So, mm. for example, Vienna to Berlin is much more likely to have uh, a cheap offer going than, I don't know, uh, Mödling to, to Berlin. But we can get from Mödling to the centre of Vienna and then go on to Berlin. So, so look into that kind of option. Look at the main... I don't know, like the main spine of your trip and then see if you can make it work around that. I've uh, been talking mainly about planes, but definitely look into other forms of transport, um, going by boat, going by bus, going by plane, or if you've got the time, even uh, hiking or cycling your trip. Uh, there's usually plenty of different options around. At first it might look like you're stuck, but even if you're going from an island nation uh, to a you know a place in a continent in the other side of the world, a flight probably isn't your only option. Yes, it's quite possible to be the best option, but it's worth looking into other options as well. For example, you could go by cargo ship. Uh, we had the option of traveling by ferry from Jerez to Fuerteventura. It was going to be a full day ferry, so we decided not to. <laughs> the information I read was, unless you really like being seasick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering if I could hire a fishing rod and just like throw that off the back, because that would keep me interested for the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a three-hour ferry is about my limit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of options. For example, when we often, we had to travel from London all the way up to Scotland, which is quite a big trip, and there's many, many options. You can drive, you can go by plane, you can go by train or you can go by coach. Now, we would have loved to go by plane because it's fast. We love traveling by train because it's comfortable. However, we almost always traveled by coach because it was so cheap. We got a one pound fare from London all the way up to Aberdeen once, which is, I don't even want to say how long that journey was because it was no. <laughs> 15 hours or 16 hours or something. It was cramped in a little tiny seat, but in total it cost three pounds for both of us. That's about the price of a coffee in London. We got to travel right across the country. Yeah, and we could say that a benefit is that we didn't have to pay for accommodation that night, but <laughs> the negative side is that I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> so. Wipe us out for the next couple of days. If uh, spending your entire day and most of your night on an overnight bus isn't quite your thing, then you might want to keep an eye out for special deals. Uh, you might be not be able to afford something like a camper van, but... If you're moving from one transport hub for the company to another transport hub for the company, transport hub, 
I wonder if that's a transport club or like the, <laughs> where the like transport companies <laughs> the transport companies keep their baby bears. <laughs> yes. Um, if you're moving from one transport hub to another transport hub for the company, they often have uh, vehicles they need to move from warehouse to warehouse. Uh, this is especially true if you're going on the kind of contra routes. Uh, in New Zealand, I know that a lot of people fly into Auckland and then leave their camper van in Christchurch. So there's often chances to rent very, very cheaply, um, or sometimes just for free and pay petrol, depending on the, the need at the time, to drive a camper van from Christchurch to Auckland. You often don't have much time. You have to do it in three or four days, something like that. But you do save a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, and the same is true in Australia as well. I That's know true. there's... Uh, kind of almost a, a market in backpackers taking vehicles from Perth back over to the eastern seaboard, huh. back over to Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. And so, okay, it's going to be a compressed tour. You don't have the freedom, but you also don't have the cost. So you can get a little taster that way, and that's awesome. Um, some tour companies will offer last-minute discounts to fill seats on a bus. You know, if they've got 70%, 80% capacity and it gets down to the last minute, uh, if they need to fill those seats, they might. Yeah, and they might even offer 50% or 60% discounts, so keep an eye out for that. Even if you don't normally do tours, this could save you a fair bit. I know Intrepid do this, actually. I've seen quite a lot of discounts on their website, so keep an eye out there. Yeah, and we're uh, promoting them on the new tours blog at tours.indietravelpodcast.com under the promotions there. We've been uh, keeping an eye out for specials from all sorts of things, uh, bus companies and train companies and Intrepid as well. Another way you might uh, be able to find a special deal I know that uh, the stray bus in, in Asia, when they first opened up, they had some really good deals because it was mm. a new route. So keep an eye out for those hop-on, hop-off buses. If they're opening a new route, the first couple of weeks you might get a really good discount. Yeah, that's also very true. Yeah, when people are trying to introduce and get some public awareness about their new products, you'll often get yeah anywhere between 20 and 50% off, which is awesome. Definitely. Um, what else was I thinking about special deals? Oh, of course. If there's a place you know you're going or companies you know you want to work with, then go and sign up to their email newsletters. This is a great way to um, to keep in touch because often their special deals will be advertised to their own kind of email list first. So go and sign up for the newsletters and uh, only during the planning stages. I find it gets annoying otherwise. Go and subscribe <laughs> afterwards. But uh, yeah, that can be really helpful. And uh, of course, on the Indie Travel Podcast newsletter, we send out once or twice a month. Uh, we bring together the best deals that we've found over the month as well. Another way to save money when you're traveling, if you're traveling alone, hiring a car, well, it can be a bit expensive. So what you could do is share. You could get together with a group of like-minded travelers, hire a car together. Or you could use a ride-sharing service. That's especially good if you're just going from one point to another. Uh, a couchsurfing host of ours in Lisbon recently travelled from Lisbon all the way to Berlin. And he got together with four people. It was his car. And everyone contributed petrol money to, to make the journey. Hmm. And everyone brought along a, uh, a CD of their favourite music as well. So they had a really interesting mix of, of sounds from everyone as they went. Yeah, I thought that was a really great idea. It was a good way, way of meeting people as well. Hmm. He said that he put the ad up on the website and within a day, all of the seats were filled. And a full car, yeah. So, so this kind of thing amazing. is becoming more and more popular. Yeah. Hey, thinking about car hire and things like that, you've often got uh, big insurance premiums. So make sure you talk about uh, what you're going to do with the insurance 
um, before you go and hire it with people? Are mm. you going to split any insurance costs equally? Is it going to be the sole responsibility of the driver at the time? What are you going to do if something out of the ordinary happens? Definitely. That'll save you some grief down the road. Um, well, we've got some specific advice for long trips and short trips as well. So shall we pile into that with uh, talking about long journeys? Sure. I suppose the first point is good for long or short trips. It's buy tickets in advance. Most of the time, the further in advance you book your tickets, the cheaper the trip will be. Uh, train companies, budget airlines and buses often have a certain number of seats available at a low price. For example, Megabus with their one pound fares. And uh, once they're sold out, the price goes up. So I think in Megabus's case, it was one pound for the first two or three seats, and then there were 10 seats at four pounds, something like this. Uh, so you have to get in early to get the cheaper seats because it's first in, first served. Other companies don't do this. They just charge the same regardless of when you buy. So a lot of the traditional airlines work on that model. Uh, in this case, I'd recommend you make a note of the price and then go and shop around and look for better offers because you know you can always go back and buy at the, at the regular price. Yeah, one thing I've been doing more and more recently, especially on flights, is looking up everything online, doing all my research. Uh, we've got a couple of great flight engines based off IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights you can head to. Um, that's always my starting point. And then after I've got my best price for the rough dates that I want, I'll call up a travel agent or two and ask them if they can beat them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't, normally they can't. Normally they're like, how did you find that fare? Um, but sometimes they might be able to knock another 20, 50, 100 bucks off it. So yeah. it's well worth it. I usually start with a travel agent. So I go to STA, statravel.com or something like that. And I see what the price is for that journey. And that's my starting point. And then I go online and use the flight aggregators to see if I can find something cheaper. But uh, yeah, travel agents can actually be a really good place uh, to, to start. We've got some really good deals through travel agents. For example, when we traveled from uh, New Zealand to South America, I'd already got an idea of flights. I think we were looking at about $1,800 return. And then STA had a deal, $1,000 return. And yeah, yeah, so we just bought it we immediately. Just bought it immediately. <laughs> so sometimes it's a good idea to have an idea of what the prices are. Actually, it was 1700 one way, and it was 1000 return. So um, yeah, have an idea of what the prices are. And then if you see a good deal, snap it up because you might miss out if you don't. Absolutely. Uh, another thing for long trips, and this is easier or harder depending on where you're going, is to buy a car and then sell it when you're finished with it. Um, I mean, everyone thinks of renting a car, renting a camper van, all that kind of thing. But how about buying one, mm -hmm. buying a cheap one, second hand, driving it around, and then selling it off for about the same price when you leave. It's kind of like hiring a car for free, but you do need enough time to uh, to kind of have a week or so at the beginning of your trip to look around and find something, and then have a week or two at the end to be able to sell your car again. Yeah. And at the very least, you'll be able to take it into a uh, some kind of trade-in center and get a couple of hundred bucks for it. Yeah. It's still going to be cheaper than, uh, than renting if you're doing a, a two, three, four-month trip. It's best to do this in places where it's common to do this because then you know that the infrastructure is already in place. Mm. For example, in New Zealand, it's really super normal to do this. And uh, changing ownership is really easy as well. Uh, there's backpacker car fares you can buy and sell online. It's really easy. Uh, also in Australia, it's quite common. Uh, 
We worked with Travelers Autobahn in Australia and they have a really good system. They'll sell you a fully equipped van and they'll guarantee to buy it back off you at the end of your trip at a much lower price, of course. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure they don't guarantee to buy it off you at a much lower price. No, no, they guarantee they, they'll buy it back off you and they, they will give you a much lower <laughs> price. But, I mean, it's great. It means that if you can't find a buyer at the price you paid, you know you'll at least get some money back. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you know there's a backstop there. And so, yeah, that's a great system. Um, well, that's it for long journeys. Now, thinking about very short journeys, just traveling uh, around the city, for example. Yeah, ten minutes, a couple of hours. Uh, some people seem to just jump in taxis. We've spent time with people who are like, "I want to get two kilometers down the road. Let's get a taxi." I like two kilometers. We'll walk that in twenty minutes. Let's walk. <laughs> we we don't like taxis very much. We find them generally overpriced, and well, we like walking. So. <laughs> I think that hopping in a taxi at the drop of a hat is a great way to waste money. So if you, if you like it, that's fine. But if you would like to save money, then it might be worth considering other options. So the first option is to use public transport. Uh, not only are buses and trains usually cheaper than a taxi, it's also a great chance to see a different side of a city or town. I remember when we were in London recently, we had to catch the, the tube. We were going to the XL Centre and we're travelling at rush hour. So we're on the tube with all these workers, you know, businessmen and women traveling to work, they were commuting. And it was really fascinating. It was a different side of London. It was a side I'd never seen before because I never got up at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm much more used to the, the tourist crush at about 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. than the, uh, yeah, the, the business people out and about at 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I also fi find that I see more of a city when I'm on a bus mm. because I have to be aware of when to get off. I remember when we were in uh, Paraguay recently in Asuncion and we were kind of looking around going, where are we? Looking at the map, looking around, we had no idea. But we found we found our route eventually and, and got off the bus then. If I was on a taxi, I would have just kind of sat back and kind of stared out the window. I would have seen something, but I wouldn't yeah. have been paying attention. You wouldn't have been actively scanning the, the <laughs> skyline for a, a, anything to recognise where we're going. Mm -hmm. Now, you just, just said that we were there recently. You realise that anything in South America was about 18 months ago now. I know, I know. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Losing track of time. It's something that's uh, endemic for long-term travellers. Well, we just realised that we've been, we've been married for almost 11 years now. Yeah, I know. That's mad, eh? <laughs> I, I, I'm still mad. thinking it was 10 because we just walked the Camino <laughs> last March. Yeah, we just walked the Camino <laughs> when your Spanish visa started and that finished a couple uh, a week ago now. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Madness. Um, so yeah, combining local buses and trains is the obvious extension to that if you're going cross-city, down a bit, around a bit, here and there. Um, and it's often cheaper than looking, well, here in Europe it's often cheaper going across city on the S-Bahn and then onto a regional train than it is uh, jumping on an intercity train. You'll have a couple more changes, it might take you an extra 20 minutes, half an hour per two hours, three hours of travel. That's it right. won't be much. Um, and it's a bit of a pain, but, you know, when the price is right, if it's 9 euros or 56 euros price difference, it's worth an extra 25 minutes of my day. Well, that's what we did recently when we were traveling from Bergamo to, well, to Linz. We needed to get first from Bergamo to Innsbruck, and we could have taken three trains, one of them being an intercity, and paid, I think it was about 50 euros. As it was, we decided to take regional trains. We had to change two more times. But uh, we saved about 12 euros each. So 24 euros each, we decided was worth it. Yeah, because, you know, we had a wonderful lunch today for six euros. So, 
you know, that's that's four meals yeah. on uh, an extra 20, 30 minutes of uh, train travel. So, yeah, it all it all works out in the end. Yeah, so, so certainly in Spain and Italy, regional trains are a lot cheaper. And in many places, that's true as well. Mm. However, if you can book in advance, you might be able to get a really good discount on your intercity trip. Uh, on the same trip, we got a really good price between Innsbruck and Linz, which would have cost, I don't know, about 50 euros just for itself, just that one three-hour stretch. Instead, we got it for 20 euros because we booked online. So we're combining a whole bunch of these different factors, using regional trains, booking in advance, uh, using different types of transport. Well, I guess the uh, the ultimate in all short-term journeys is walking or biking, if you're not quite so extreme as us. But um, as you know, we enjoy our hiking and we like our city walking as well. Yeah, I mean, and it's a great way to save money, especially if you're going just a short distance down the road, for example. But if you want to do a long trip, well, that's that's perfectly acceptable as well. You can walk a thousand kilometers in six weeks. That's not hard at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's free, completely free. Well, not not when you consider the cost of buying blister plasters, but, yes. you know. And the, uh, the amount of transport money that you spend getting from A to B, <laughs> that often wipes it out. And that's what I found with cargo ships as well. Cargo ships are often cheaper than, well, often more expensive than a plane. But if you're going, well, I'm going to spend 20 days on the cargo ship and the cost of another 19 days accommodation at my destination would be... Yeah, exactly. So that's walking is one option. Uh, hiring a bike can also be an option, depending on how much bike hire is. You could bring a bike with you, depending on where you're going. Uh, if you're just wanting to get around a city, some hostels have them available for use at a nominal price, sometimes even free. So check out that information before you book. Yeah, our good friends Jono and Holly down at Ponsonby Backpackers in Auckland have started doing bike hire now as well. Oh, brilliant. And That'll be a great addition. They're well located for the beginning of the day because they're up the top of a hill. You uh, can bike down into town along the along the entire Eastern Bay's waterfront, yeah, Mission Bay, Koemarama. It's beautiful. And then you bike back along the nice flat coastline to the CBD and it's all uphill back to Ponsonby. Maybe they need to provide a van service <laughs> from the bottom of the hill. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, um, let's wrap up by talking about the various kind of passes you can get. I'm thinking around the world air tickets, uh, URL passes, J-Rail passes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's lots of options. I mean, of course, look, booking in advance is great and doing your research is great, but sometimes having a lot of flexibility is the best option. So with something like a URL pass or an interrail pass, a hop-on or hop-off bus pass, things like that, you can get good transport at a fair price, but with more flexibility. Yeah, that's right. And flexibility and cost are kind of the two great advantages and disadvantages. Mm. Some of the pack, uh, packages really lock you in, um, and other ones give you lots of flexibility. I know with the URL passes, a lot of people I've spoken to recently have said, well, you've got to do these reservations for everything, and that's a whole lot more money. And the truth is, you normally don't have to do reservations. Uh, it's only on the the big intercity trains. If you travel on the regional trains, you don't have to. And so the kind of the flexibility, the time, and the money all roll around again. And if you're planning well, well, well in advance, it can be cheaper to get point-to-point -point tickets. Uh, but if you want to be able to buy all of your transport, show up and know you're getting a fair price day-to-day, -day, 
then uh, these passes can be great. Yeah, I think well, we've the same published goes. a lot of articles about this recently, mm. so we'll put some links to those in the show notes. We've got, I think, two coming up at the end of the month. One's about uh, why point-to-point tickets are better than a URL pass, and one is why URL passes are better than point-to-point tickets. <laughs> so that'll be up on the on the website pretty soon. Excellent. That's at IndieTravelPodcast.com. And thinking about where you can find us, of course, we are on iTunes. You can visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud now. Um, I have been for about a year. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash IndieTravel. And today I got a note from Stitcher Radio, which mm-hmm. is a kind of a, a podcast slash radio app you can get for Android, iOS. Um, some in-car stereos have it as part of the the audio system and uh, so you can now find us there by searching for indie travel and uh, subscribe so it's another way that you can find us all over the place well i think we've pretty much wrapped up talking about different forms of transport except to say thank you to our sponsors intrepid travel which are also a very good way of getting around one of the good things about them that i like is that they use local accommodation it's not just those big hotels so you're so separated from real life. You've got unique hostels, hotels, guest houses. I remember when we were on the trip that we did in uh, South America, the uh, the little guest house in Parachi was so cute and the, the owner came out and greeted us in Portuguese and it was just nice. Yeah, really nice. it was. It was indeed. And local restaurants as well. We did mm. a basics tour, so uh, that meant we were fending for ourselves for food most of the time. But our guide always had a couple of pointers up her sleeve and uh, came out with us several times and at other times went look go here or go here just like if you if you want x go to that one if you want you know it was Mm -hmm. it was great it was nice and she often pointed us in the direction of good street food which is one of my favorite Uh, favorite things in the whole world so yeah so okay it's it's a big company and yes they're doing tours but they're small tours they're giving back to local businesses and uh that emphasis on local helps you and also helps you know, the people that are living there. Yeah, I think it's it's good for indie travellers, especially the, the basics tours, especially if you don't have much time to plan your own trip. It's a really good option for having it all done for you with the safety net of having someone with you. Yeah, of course. And all trips are carbon offset, which means that you don't need to worry about your impact on the environment so much and you can focus on having fun as you go. Yeah, definitely worth considering. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well. <laughs>